the Guys from Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith. Today's question comes to us from a few different people who want to know, what are some things you wish you knew going into university? This is such a great question, and I'm so sad that we weren't able to do it last year. Yeah, I know. We, we had gotten this question before, and I can't remember why we didn't get to it last year. There was something that, that kind of happened that... It synced up with what we were doing and football. And then university had started by that point. We're like, well, just do that? And then we got like a trailer react the next week and we're just, okay. (laughs) By the time we were able to get to it, it was well into the university semester. So it didn't make a lot of sense to kind of get, keep that, or to to, to go with that one. So we decided we will forego it for last year and just make sure that we have the time to do it this year. So Yeah, in a daring amount of foresight for the guys from podcast, we literally scheduled this podcast to answer this question. Mm -hmm. For the last three or four weeks, we were trying to figure out what the hell we were going to answer. And then... So we'd come up with the list here or or a, a topic here or a topic there, and then Jeremy was in. But we knew, okay, this one coming out this last last Friday in, in August, I think, right? The last Friday no, in August? September was, 1st. Comes out September 1st. Okay, yeah. So Yes. Yeah, the, the first September, like right before university, we're going to make sure that that one is what we wish we knew. And so this one has been on our radar for literally a year. And it has been re-asked. And Alexis, we are getting to it. Sorry we missed it last year. Hopefully you're still in university. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Or listening to us, or both. Yeah, but we have gotten it a few times, so thank you. And now, as we did both go to university, and one of us now wears leather patches on a tweed jacket. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Do you have a leather-patched tweed jacket yet? No, I do have a corduroy jacket that I'm pretty sure I could put le- uh, leather patches on, but I haven't got that done yet. Okay. there is there a V-Square in Lethbridge where you could go look for a tweed jacket? I think there's one. There's got to be one. Like or Sally Ann or something. There's got to be something like that. I mean, every small town has a thrift store, so I feel like the, the happening metropolis of Lethbridge should have at least a couple thrift stores, if not a Valley Village. I'm guessing they probably do. They have most of the big city amenities. Like, the only thing that I've ever really needed that they haven't got in Lethbridge is an Ikea. Oh, that's fair. And that's, you've got to be, what is it, like 200,000? Is that that it? Yeah, because we're we're 100,000 here in Lethbridge, so I feel like it's probably got to be around two. But, I mean, we've got a Costco, we've got a Superstore, we've got, like, a bunch of different big things that one would need in in their city like a home depot one arona like all the all the things that you know you would hope to have in a, in a fairly decent sized city but if we so i would expect that we would have a, a valley village i mean prince george bc has a valley village yeah exactly like red deer has one right so right? i That's expect that like, there's gotta would. be one yeah yeah uh so yeah it would be it would be a good idea to go to the the vv and see if i can find something I, if you could get a tweed coat for five bucks and a like a leather skirt mm-hmm. for eight, it's thirteen bucks, and then you've got right? your professor jacket. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely one. Oh yeah, perfect. So there you go. Yeah. Everybody has been basically telling me that this is something that I need to do is is just wear le- my tweed shirt or my tweed jacket with leather uh, patches on the arms. Or Dave, if you could find a tweed shirt, you have to wear it. <laughs> 
That would be amazing. Or I could get a leather jacket and put tweed arm patches on it and ruin two jackets. Ooh, Homer style. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that people have been saying that I need to do is start teaching, start my first lecture speaking in a British accent, a la Ross Geller from Friends. Because Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, he was so nervous, it just kind of came out, and it helped him get a little bit more comfortable. And so people have been really helping me figure out what to do on my first day. So, you know, my, my friends are super supportive. Well, hey, I know that this is what, what you wished you knew going into university, mm-hmm. but that could apply to teaching at a university, too. That is too. true. I realize it doesn't at all for the question we were asked, <laughs> but still. Hey. We're looking out for Dave. Right, exactly. Yeah, I need all the help I can get, you guys. So I'll take I'll take it. Have you considered a giant foam cowboy hat? No. Now it is theater, so I feel like I could get away with it. But it would be better if it was like archaeology or physics or something like that. And the professor walked in with the gigantic foam cowboy hat. Oh, I, I'm thinking first faculty meeting. <clears throat> oh, well, it's too late. We've already had one of those. So, eh, dang. Yeah, but I do have a drama department meeting, so, you know, there's that option. Yeah, but it, like you were saying, that's less that's less crazy because it's a drama department, right? Like, if you're involved in a theater department, it's strange to begin with. Yeah, but I mean... faculty... Well, sorry, the faculty stretch. meeting that I've had, it was only, like, drama faculty, whereas, like, the drama department meeting is is the, the technicians and everything as well. So it would be more oh, okay. more crazy than it would be just a faculty meeting because there are more people there. But, yeah, like, a, a full university-wide meant, faculty, like a faculty meeting would meeting. be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had one of those. I'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I won't actually do it because – that's a little too crazy for me, but, you know, the option is there. Maybe not the first one. Yeah. Like, maybe wait till you've taught for a year and then wear a giant foam <laughs> cowboy hat. Once they get to know me a little bit more and then, like, oh, yeah, that's just that weird guy in drama. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like it. I think <laughs> think we're on to something. So, the actual question is, what do we wish we would known going into university as students, right? Uh, yes. Is there anything that immediately comes to mind? Like, I've, I've written down a few things, and I'm sure as our conversation progresses, I will f- remember more things that I need to talk about. But is there anything, like, when you first heard this question from Alexis last year and then the various people who sent it in over the past 12 months, is there anything that you thought, oh, yes, this is one thing that I wish that people would have t- told me before I came into university? Books are expensive. Books are are expensive like holy hell books are way too expensive and what i wish i had known in my first semester and this was pre-drama department so we didn't meet this was my archie art history days okay don't buy the books until you've gone to your first few classes okay interesting you think you're you think you're getting ahead of the game you're like i'm gonna hit the bookstore when it's early yet and i'm gonna get everything on my reading list don't don't do it. You might switch classes. You might find class. There are some classes that you don't want to take, mm-hmm. and then you're trying to sell those books back. And believe me, you will never get, regardless of how little you've used them, you will never get anywhere near full price. You're lucky if you get half back. And that is something that I definitely discovered in my first year is that when you when you buy textbooks, 
the the buyback cost is nowhere near the same. Like I think no. I you know I only really I think I only sold my my textbooks back in my first year because after that I just felt like it was a waste of time and I also kind of honed in on the courses that I I knew I wanted to take so. I was taking a lot of history courses and I felt like it would be good to keep those textbooks just out of interest sake or because yeah. the, because they might be useful moving forward in the theater department or something like that. But in my first year, sure. I sold back a lot of my textbooks, my geography textbook and my philosophy textbooks. And yep. they were – they I got a pittance for them. Yeah, exactly. I took – because I was in Archie Art History, mm-hmm. like I kept the art history books. Because they're awesome, and I kept using art history as options because I love it. Sure, I really enjoyed it. But the archaeology stuff and the geology stuff and geography, like man, I probably paid eight hundred bucks for mm-hmm. books mm-hmm. in my first semester, and maybe got two hundred back if I'm lucky. Sure. Because I can promise you a few of them were in pristine condition because they were completely unnecessary for the class. Uh, it just reminds me of Bart when he's hoping to go to Camp Trust and he goes to Mrs. Krabappel. You'll notice that all my, my textbooks are in immaculate condition. Some are still in the original wrapper. Yeah, duly noted. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely... I definitely had the money to buy the textbooks and did not get a lot back when I sold them back. I, I, and I mean, a lot of those classes now granted the ones where I sold them back were the ones where I didn't do that well. And I didn't do that well on them because I didn't use the textbook. So it was kind of a vicious cycle, but the ones where I didn't use them were the ones where I, like I said, I sold those back. And so Theoretically, I probably could have gotten away without even just buying the textbooks, and I would have come out with more money and probably the same grade. Well, but even there were classes, because I thought that that was what I wanted to do, right? right? So, like, my my point is, don't do it until you've gone to a few of the classes. Mm-hmm. And go to the classes, for the love of God, especially the early ones. Yeah. Because before the drop date, make sure you're going so you know whether or not it's for you. For sure. Because unlike high school, this is not a, a game where it's like, oh, I got to take – so. well, I never took social studies because I was in IB. But uh, I got to take world history and theory of knowledge philosophy. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have a choice. That was what I was taking because that's what I was taking. Right. But in university, no, it's, it's on you. Mm-hmm. You're paying – you are paying or your family's paying or however it worked out you're paying a butt ton of money to be going to these classes so you better want to be there so go to the first ones and don't buy the books like i still remember it wasn't my first year it was like third or fourth but there was a contest in the first class to win one of the textbooks okay it was a history uh it was the history it was world war ii okay it was a world war ii history class right and they actually did that where they did a PowerPoint presentation, 10-second slides, and you had to write down what it was and give as much detail as you could what to try and win the textbook. Was? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So it was like Albrecht macht frei sign. Uh, there was like the uh, a frame from The Great Dictator. I remember that because that's how I won the contest because I knew what year it came out, the director, and a bunch of little details about that. That's, it was is that a Charlie tie, Chaplin's but the, Great Dictator? Yeah. Okay. Yep. It was a tie, and the tiebreak was whoever had the most detail, and I had more detail on The Great Dictator than anyone had on any other thing. Of course So I won the textbook. Okay. Of course I did. Yeah. It was a film question. (laughs) 
that's that yeah i i remember my favorite history class that i went to or that that i took was in my second year it was the history of the reformation and when i first got to that class the first day i got the the course handout and discovered what it was is like oh man the 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 it's all about religion and the catholic church like there's no I mean, the the my favorite type of history is the military history, right? And so I was really into to history of the Second World War and all that stuff, right? And and so I right. thought, oh man, this doesn't have a lot of that. And then, but I was like, well, I'll give it a chance because I signed up for it. It works really well on my schedule, so I'll give it a shot. And after the first real class, I was hooked, and all of a sudden, it became my favorite class, my favorite option in in my entire undergrad because it was interesting material. the The professor was really, really good. And it was just, despite the fact that it was all about religion, the the information and the the what what else was happening around that rift in the Catholic Church and Martin Luther separating the from from the Catholic Church and everything, all of that was so fascinating that it really just the the religion almost came secondary, right? Um, right. And had I not gone to that first class, or I guess that second class, I don't think I would have, I probably would have just dropped it. But I was like, okay, well, I signed up for it. I'll give it a shot. And so why not do that? Why not give yourself a chance to do it? But also, if you go to those first couple classes, then you'll know if you think that this class is a real stinker. Yeah, if it's your jam or not. Exactly. And if you find that a lot of the stuff you have to take, if you have a declared major and you find that a lot of the stuff that you have to take is not your jam, Mm -hmm. you're not in the right major. That's true. Yeah. Don't you're don't put yourself through a year or half a year even of being miserable because university is awesome. But if you're not doing something you want to do and maybe it's like okay, I don't really like these courses, but I like these few that are going and so I can narrow my focus in my second year mm-hmm. to be really drilled down on what it is I like doing. So okay, I'll suffer through whatever statistics right i'll get through statistics or econ 201 or whatever just to get into the stuff that i really want yeah but if everything you're taking in your major you're finding yourself not wanting to go to class because surprise surprise you don't have to go you're on your own Mm -hmm. if you're not going and you don't want to go and you just you don't care anymore you're not doing the right thing that's true it's interesting that you say that. I know my sister took geology when she was in, in university. And I think she started in earth sciences and moved to geology or maybe it's all part of the same, whatever. Anyway, she ended up becoming a geologist. And she told me that her favorite classes were her options. And she did the geography course, the ge- geology courses because she felt like she had to. And I mean, it was her major, so she obviously had to. But it was one of those like, well this is my major so I guess I'll take these courses but she really liked the options and I was like that doesn't make sense to me yeah whereas my favorite courses were all my theater courses now I loved my history courses as well which is why I almost took it as a minor but I would have had to have taken a few too many 400 level courses and I just I didn't really care to do that I just needed the options it wasn't worth the work to to put in in order just to get a minor when it wasn't really going to do anything for me you say to somebody who was trying to get a double major, got fucked over by the university and took a minor. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I am. <laughs> I am fully aware of what happened to you, but yeah. for me, it was just I. I didn't. 
I didn't feel that need to get those extra courses just for the sake of getting a minor. I just really enjoyed yeah, no, the history courses because it was it was a subject that I found fascinating and I hated geography and I hated philosophy and I just about failed Spanish and all the other options that I tried taking I didn't do as well whereas the history courses I did fairly well in them so it made sense for me to keep going with them. Yeah, and as if you care about something cuz that's what that's what university has to be mm-hmm. is you're you're out of high school and you're finding who you are. Yeah finally in university because you're going to find the people who dig what you dig and you're going to be out of that weird clicky high school nonsense and you're going to be somewhere where you are paying a lot of money to take things that you want to take Mm -hmm. and maybe you want to take them because there's a job you want sure if your dream's always been to be a lawyer and you're you've just got to build a calendar that suits that your schedule has to suit towards you becoming a lawyer to get into law school yeah like yeah that's fair. Maybe you're not going to like everything there, but if your end goal is something that you still love while you're going through the classes, you know you're doing the right thing, and you're going to find the people that are going to make it worth the time. Mm-hmm. Like That's why archaeology and I did not jam together. We didn't gel. It was not worth it. There was way too many monkey skulls and way too much just sitting there drawing things. Right. It's just, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. It's interesting that you said you'll be, you know, it it's up to you to go to classes and you may or may not go to classes. And that was something that that I, I kind of wish that I had been told. I know when I was first doing my schedule in my first before my first year, I was really excited. I took the, I think my time was from like one o'clock to four o'clock on a certain day in the middle of the week. So I took the, the afternoon off from from my job because I had to register for classes and I want to make sure that I got as you know the best schedule I could so I was on my my whatever that was the the university login thing and my U of C or whatever it was and and um and I logged in and and went right to town on my schedule and the first first time I did it I go upstairs my dad was home I'm like dad check out this schedule and I print it off and he goes why do you have eight o'clock classes? I'm like, well, I'll see, because I'll go to these eight o'clock classes. But then my day's done at two, you know, at, at noon, and then I'm then I'm free. And he goes, Dave, you're never gonna go to an eight o'clock class. And I kind of went, oh yeah, yeah, okay. And so I went and I changed my schedule. And I think the earliest, because I mean, some of our theater courses started at nine, but the earliest I, yeah. I went to class was nine or nine thirty on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But my point that I I wish people would have told me is just because you have a great schedule doesn't mean you're gonna go yeah i just assume that you know in high school i went to most of my classes i mean there'd be the odd quote-unquote fitness class that we had which was basically you would go and work out at the gym and we would sign in at the at the at the fit pit i think is what it was called and then we go outside and play hacky sack i mean that was as close to <laughs> skipping as as I, you could get but i mean it's not like we left the school grounds we just went outside and hung out on on the grass outside you know that is so 90s right i know everything <laughs> about skipped, that is so 90s we skipped fitness class to go play hacky sack <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh and your flannel shirt and, yeah yeah know. my grunge my cargo shorts hey eddie bauer wasn't gonna wear it himself that's true so my point is, I barely, I, I would not cut class in, in high school because 
people would notice. And, and if I, I mean, my mom was a teacher, not in the high school, but my mom was a teacher. And if I cut too many classes, then she would find out about it. And, and you know, I had a goal. I was going to go to university. And in order to do that, I, I needed to make sure that I got decent grades. So I had to go to class. Whereas once I got to university, man, it was all on me. I worked for my, I took my gap year and, and spent that, that year working so that I could pay for my first year of university all by myself. And so all that money was my money that I was putting towards this this new d- degree and so I right. I put all that money into it and I so because it was me and it was my choice I was like well if I don't go it's only me that I'm screwing over so there'd be some days I wouldn't go to class and man it just got so it got easier and easier yeah huh uh-huh it, especially if you're living in residence right exactly yeah I did. I did pretty well, especially for Res. Like I know the guy who lived across the hall from me. He, I think he went to his first week of classes, and then like he was on a completely alternate schedule. He would party all night, and then he would sleep all day. I don't even know if he went to class. I'm I'm ninety percent sure he failed out of school after that first year, just because he spent all his time drinking and partying, and just didn't do anything other than that. Which was first a real... year churn, man. Right, absolutely. Well, and it was first like oh, it was his parents' money. I'm I'm fairly certain that he did not pay for his tuition. So what the hell did it matter to him if he didn't go to school? It's not he wasn't the one who earned that money to to send himself there. So yeah, I I, I guess, but that's not a good enough reason. Oh, certainly not. Right, like no, I I absolutely agree. Like it's not a good reason at all. But he he didn't seem to care, and he just partied his way through that first year and man it was awful because it'd be three or four in the morning and he'd come back and he'd be smashed and he'd be yelling down the hallway to another guy on our floor and it was just everybody was awake when chuck got home because that's the way it was and just like i'm here and i don't care about anybody else i'm just gonna do my thing and yell and be a jackass and you know you'll have to deal with it because i'm drunk and i'm an idiot Whereas everybody else would, you know, I, I, I remember I got a, a friend who came back from, I can't remember what she was doing, but she and another one of our floor mates were just smashed that, that night. And it was a Monday and she got, she was basically trying to pressure me to get drunk with them by just repeatedly going, get drunk on a Monday, Dave, get drunk on a Monday. And I was just like, you guys are idiots. And then I promptly started drinking just to catch up with them. But I mean, we'd all, we'd all have those nights, especially living in residence where you, did stuff that you weren't proud of, but I'd still get my ass out of bed and make my way to class. Yeah. I just, I think knowing about residents going in would have been a good idea. Absolutely. Because, yeah. oh man. Did you not that know? first year when you're in trad res? Yeah. Oof. Did you not know anything? Because I, I had the advantage, my parents had gone to university and I mean, that was a different time, right? Like that was the end of the late 70s. So, you know, res in the late 70s and the early 2000s were two very different worlds, but they yeah. they kind of told me some of the things that they did and some of the hijinks that they got up to. But my sister had also gone to school two years prior and I went and visited her in residence. And so I had an idea. Now it wasn't a full year, but it was a little sample. Like it wasn't a big enough sample size, but it was a, like a litmus test of what residence was like. And I kind of got to get to know the, just, you know, from their exploits and stuff, what a typical weekend was like. And, you know, I wasn't there for a full week or anything. So I didn't see during the school week, school, like during the class week, but I did get an idea of what residence was like. Did you not have any, any indication? Not really. Yeah. Only child. Yeah. 
so no recents. Uh, parents both went to college, but like never really. I didn't get res stories. Right. Essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know if they were living with friends or I think living at home or something like right. that. So no, no, res was, res was its own animal for me. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of wandering in and learning on the fly <laughs> yeah yeah that's, it's, uh, that's tough first thing you need to know is all ma- res mattresses suck every single There's, one of them even the newest ones it, are awful I have been in three different university residences four if you count colleges okay actually if we're counting colleges five okay all of them suck <laughs> They're hard, they're slippery plastic, mm-hmm. and if you've never slept on one before, you're it's going to take some getting used to. Yeah. And by take some getting used to, I mean there's a reason some people drink. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't sleep. No. No. They're, they're hard, they're uncomfortable, they're small. Like oh, they're, they're very small. They're twin-size beds. So, I mean, it's not much... I... I actually had i think i had twin size beds all through through high school right like my parents never felt the need to get me a double bed but when i when i moved to res you were sleeping on twins and so then i think my first double bed came when i finally moved out of residence so i had something a little bit bigger um uh i was coming off of a water bed a double water bed yeah (laughs) so i went from a water bed to rock hard plastic twin Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who man (laughs) yeah that'll that'll do it the other problem, yeah. so they're they're hard and they're uncomfortable, and so I mean, also if you're living in traditional style, most people. I'm not saying everybody because there are some people who have single rooms, but most people, you're living with somebody else. So you're living in a yep. in a basically a room that is the size of a standard living room or like a standard bedroom, but you have two people in there, yeah. including two beds, yep. two dressers, two, two desks. desks. And so basically you have a five-foot strip down the middle of your bedroom that is common area between you and your, your roommate. So if you have never lived with another person or gotten changed in front of another person or you know slept in the same room as somebody else, that is a whole new experience. Like I, I had a – when I was younger, I had bunk beds with my brother. We ended up okay. – like my when my sister moved downstairs, my brother moved – rooms and so all of a sudden we we finally all got our own room but for years i shared a room with my brother and so i was used to the idea of somebody else being in that room but at the same time it had been a number of years but at least it wasn't a completely foreign concept to me but there are some people who had had rooms all to themselves their entire life and (laughs) yeah yeah right and you get in there and you have to deal with somebody else sleeping and maybe that person snores or maybe that person talks in their sleep or like uh, my first semester roommate and I, we had very similar schedules, but then he moved home to go because he missed his girlfriend and just didn't want to be at the UFC anymore. He was uh, originally from BC, so he, he went back to oh, go gotcha. be with his girlfriend, who they're now married, which is awesome, so clearly it was oh, the right choice. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he moved, he moved away, and I got a guy whose schedule was very different from mine. He would be in bed at nine o'clock, and even the, even if I wasn't partying, I wouldn't oh. I wouldn't be in bed until midnight, one o'clock, something like that, right? Like I was enjoying my social life, and and so I'd be up 
just chatting with people and hanging out and going to the bar or just watching movies in friends' rooms and stuff. And and uh, yeah. we I could never host anything in my room because my roommate was always asleep right around nine o'clock and it made for really really frustrating times where i'd come home and i'd just be like oh right towels in bed i guess i'm i guess i'm going somewhere else if i want to do anything so it was just it was kind of annoying so you eventually like at a certain point now i mean i've got friends who were like they were best friends and like maid of honors in each other's weddings and everything. And that came from them living together. But man, there was other people who just, they were, you know, they were just polar opposites and it got really frustrating for them. Yep. Uh, yep. Sahil and I do not talk anymore. (laughs) Sure. Fair enough. He was my first year roommate. Okay. Uh, now part of that, to be fair, is that once I switched into the drama department, I got absorbed by the drama department, sure. and I spent all of my time with y'all, yep. right? Yeah. So like the the engineering law school business school guys' schedule completely different. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it, but also we were not similar people. That's totally fair, and so I did find that's a crapshoot, right? Sorry, like, and it's a crapshoot. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Like, you go in expecting the best, and, like, we weren't terrible to each other or anything. Like, it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It was fun. We we got on okay for the most part, but at the same time, it's like, outside of living together, we probably never would have hung out, ever. Absolutely. And that, that was the thing ever. With, with my second semester roommate was... Yeah, I'd see him on campus over the next couple of years, and we'd wave to each other and exchange pleasantries, but... We just we weren't the same sort of person, and so we just once we moved once we moved out of residence and we're no longer roommates, we had no reason to associate with each other. Yep. Now again, like you said, pretty much the same. The drama department was a big part of me, and so in my first year, I barely did anything in the drama department because I was so busy being in residence and having too much fun being in res. But in my second year, even though I was living in apartment style res, I still was going to a lot of a lot more drama functions and kind of immersed myself in yep. that theater world but well, regardless you, like at a certain point you had to yeah right because like, i was dabbling a bit with drama while i was doing archie art history mm-hmm. and like by midway through my second semester of archie art history i'm like okay yeah i'm switching into theater right <laughs> i i need to but it when you're on the outside and just like a peripheral drama department person mm-hmm. or and this this applies to all of the the faculty of fine arts because i i spent a lot of time with the music and the dance and the the just straight up art people too and like if you're not completely invested in the department you're not going to get anywhere in the department and without that why are you there i agree yeah you kind of had to be a face around there and you had to make sure that i mean you could you could get away with not being around and doing the bare minimum amount of work and you would get your degree and you would be off and, and working your job doing as a whatever. as a server or as a as a sales clerk or whatever. Whatever. Like if this was just a means for you to get that degree because your parents wanted you to go to university and get a d- degree, you could. But for anybody who wanted to do anything in that department and further themselves in their in that that chosen vocation they had to have some face time as a slash as a person totally yeah like if you're not invested in the department that you're in Mm -hmm. you're not going to develop no 
You're Absolutely. not going to grow. You're not going to meet people. You're not going to be challenged. And that's the that's something you got to seek yeah. in university. High school is going to challenge you to your face. University is not. Like, I, I did 13 shows in my first semester, which was insane <laughs> and stupid. Yeah. But I did. And not huge shows, obviously. Some of them were just, like, directing class scenes mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. But I did 13. Yeah. So... Like I went out looking for it because I wanted the challenge. I wanted to feel a part of everything yeah. again because I had lost that. Like, yeah, Res was, Res was its own beast. Mm-hmm. Res was an amazing year, a year that I would never want to not have. Absolutely. But I'm glad that it was only one. Right. <laughs> Where did you live in your second year? Uh, I had a studio apartment to myself. In res? Like, was it a res studio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was in res. Traditional? Uh, Still? Was like, in... was it one of the, the trad styles? Kind no. Of... Okay. I was... No, I was in Glacier. I was in the places that was only supposed to go to, like, fourth years and grad and students. Grad students. <laughs> it was amazing. Because all of a sudden, I walked in, and there's all these, like, seniors and grad students. They're like, are you here to party? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm in the drama department, and I can easily not be here. And they're like, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the beauty about res, was you get that first year, and some of my best friends, I was texting a friend from my first year of residence who is still, to this day, one of my favorite people. Like, I I saw, I see her less and less, just because life gets in the way. She's got two kids. I've moved to Lethbridge. Like, it's it's hard to to see each other. What's that? Yeah, it's life. Yeah, life. But I was texting her yesterday just to see how she was doing, and it's just, she's one of those people where, regardless of how much time has passed you still just kind of fall into your old habits and the conversation just comes easily. And yeah. I met her in my first year of residence. So that'll be, I mean, it's, it'll be 15 years this Labor Day. Wow. So it's been almost half my life that I've known her. And so you meet some incredible people in residence and those experiences yes. are worth their weight in gold. But that even that second year, when I moved to the universe or to the apartment style, it just meant it was a little quieter, right? And there weren't, you know, there yep. were still parties because I was in Northway, so there were still some parties, but it wasn't all the okay. time. People gave more of a shit about their work, and so yep. being removed from the traditional style meant that it wasn't quite as raucous, which meant that everybody was just a little bit more serious, and those were the people who didn't fail out. And so I knew there were some people in my in my floor in residence in my first year who were second and third years and they just love trad styles like you guys are crazy yeah one year and i was done. yeah i i don't know how like could you imagine in our respective third years in the department living in trad my third year was the year that i got shingles in my uh-huh. second semester so that was a hard enough time living in a basement suite with my roommate Allie, let alone being in Tread. traditional style residence. I would have died. Like, possibly, yeah. literally, might have died. Probably yeah, not literally, but yeah, it would have been. It would have been just awful. Dude, I think that comes down to which trad you're in. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. Um. Honestly, I think we're gonna do this all day. I think so too. Uh, cause I've got, I think I've got more. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, you just, you just thought of, you just made me think of something that I will gladly bring up. So awesome. Yeah. So, uh, the second half of our talking about the things you need to know when going into university is brought to you by corn. You hadn't thought about corn yet today, had you? 
But you should be. I hadn't. Well, you should be, Dave. You should be. Everything has corn in it. Especially if you're eating in residence. And those standard plans. With all that corn. <laughs> Why aren't you having corn right now? You're listening to me right now using corn. Eat corn. Buy corn. And we're back, and since we're doing the same question, I'm just going to jump in with something right off the bat here. It was something that Sean brought up kind of right towards the end of our last segment, and when he talked about our respective third years. To me, what I didn't know, and something that I wish, that I, wish I would have been told, was it seems that third year is kind of the year that is the test for you as a student and will make or break you as a student in your pursuit of your respective career. I know it happened for me and I have spoken to a lot of other people who their third year was the one that was kind of the one that, that broke them, you know? Does that make sense? As long as you get through first year churn, yes. Sure. Yeah, because I mean, the first year is, it, that's, that's a whole different thing. Like, you've got to get yeah, through. You've well, got, I, well, I'm thinking that maybe we even, we bore down on that after we talk about this third year thing, but I, I wonder if we don't bore down on that for some tips for first years. Sure, yeah. To maybe avoid being one of the, I got too drunk and mommy and daddy had to pick me up on October 3rd mm-hmm. first years, because I've seen enough of those. Yeah. No, that's fair. We can we can touch base on that after we talk about this. Yeah. But yeah, I think that because third year, you've got your feet under you finally. Cause yeah. First year, you're kind of feeling your way through. Second, yeah. second year, you start to, like, you start clipping along, you find your groove, that sort of thing. Third year, you're expected to know, and the classes expect you to know what you are doing at this point. Mm-hmm. And then they start pushing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like... Your first year, everything is so broad. You're not you're not really narrowed down. Especially, I mean, I think there's some some places where maybe that might not be the case. Like if you're going to um, a conservatory or something like that, if you're in the arts, then you know you're you're only following the acting stream. You're only following the design stream. So you're going to be focused down on this very narrow path. Whereas in general, in university, if you're in the sciences or you know even at the U of C in the drama department. You, everybody was forced to take an acting class. Everybody was forced to take a technical theater class, and everybody was forced to take a, a theater history course. And right. so, at in that first year, it wasn't you weren't narrowing your your choice. You were getting an, a, a broad sample size of what is available to you, and then you would start to focus in on that. Whereas your second year, from my perspective, I took a bunch of design courses, but even still, it, it wasn't really quote unquote set design. It was more how like it was it was introduction to design techniques and stuff like that so it still wasn't really like focusing in on that set design aspect until kind of the third or fourth year you know i i couldn't even yeah well i definitely know i couldn't start directing until third year Mm -hmm. that's why i was there right (laughs) right like so yeah my first year was the broad and mine was a little jumbly because i was also doing history and that sort of stuff but like my like you were saying first year was broad second year i didn't even have that option to kind of get into more design stuff i was more like well i need this many theater things Mm -hmm. so 
And then next year I can apply to get into directing. Yeah. Awesome. So I guess I'll do this. Right. And uh, some a lot of history because mm-hmm. I might as well anyway. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, like third year was the year when I could actually start doing what I was there to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so for me, because my third year was a year before you, right? Uh, kind of. When was your first year in the department? My my first year, it was 02, 2002. Okay. Because I was there 03, 04, and I just took 200, and I was in Archie. Okay. So 04, 05 was when I was a first-year drama. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I was... Okay, so I was two years ahead of you as far as, like, timeline in the drama department is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. But still, like, so my, my third year, like... Would have been your first year, I guess, in the drama department then, which meant yep. so that was the year that we did Nickel and Dime, right? The the theater run student yep. company. Yes. Yeah. So the student run theater company, not the theater run student company. Oh. <laughs> ah, fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So it was a, a student run theater company that that our Derek, whom we've talked about, and our friend AJ. And a few different guys were kind of the, they ran it. And while I was not actually a part of the company in any official capacity, I was there for every load in and helped them out and design shows for them. And I think I was actually the only person of the entire team who was at every single load in, which is weird. But (laughs) when, when we went, when, when we did nickel and dime, that was that was another thing in your third year that you could kind of use as a as a way of getting that world experience, right? And so, you know, your first year it was very wide and your second year I kind of honed in, but then I knew I wanted to be a technician and I was working for the drama department and so right. I was able to do different things and kind of get my face out there and get more practical experience. And that was that was the thing was up until then, practical experience wasn't something that was very readily available, short of being stage crew on, which was mandatory for your tech theater class. Nickel and Dime was literally the only place I could direct yeah. until my third year. Yeah, exactly. So I did both mm-hmm. years. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a, a student run theater company and it was, for the most part, it was student written pieces and all the, like the directors and designers and actors and stage managers. It was all people who just wanted some experience and i mean it's not real world experience because it's not paid and the the rehearsal period is very different and like there's a lot of discrepancies between that and the professional theater world it's a a stepping stone exactly the university and the professional theater world because it is more run like a professional but you have the net of mm-hmm. a university program mm-hmm. behind you where if stuff does go horribly horribly wrong there's already an institution there that could just be like okay we have the people we need to fix this we have all the equipment yeah. it's okay it's fine yeah exactly so i mean there was so, there was that safety net yeah. there for sure which made things really nice because yeah. you didn't have to if you if you messed up you didn't have to worry about it because there was people there who would help you and guide you whereas if you start your own theater company in the real world and you mess up you're you're boned Yes, so, you're, you're bankrupt. Well, I mean, probably, yeah, in, in, especially in the first couple of years, because after a while you get, um, you know, you can get grants and stuff like that. But those first couple of years, a lot of it is self-funded, and that's, man, that sucks. If if something goes wrong and you're self-funded, then you're literally spending money on what? Nothing, right? Yeah. So that was the year, but I mean, like that was also the year where I, I, I did get shingles that year because I had 
overexerted myself in my second semester. Like I was in a show yeah. doing nickel and dime, working for the drama department, taking six courses. Yeah, like there was a bunch of different things that were that had culminated to make me just exhausted. And so I ended up getting shingles and it was just because I had overexerted myself. Yep, which was, was really, really frustrating because, I mean, getting six at, sucks at the best of times. But, you know, it was just it was at a very bad time to, to get sick. And it was just so while I wanted to get noticed. We had only like known each other for like because th- we kind of crossed paths with mm-hmm. the improv show in early like September, yeah. October. But we didn't really get to know each other until anticipation, and that was yeah. January. So when you got shingles, I had known you for like two yeah. months. Oh man, it was awful. Oh god, it was such a terrible experience. I hated it. I remember there was a guy who I was kind of friends with who, um, a couple couple months later, like a month later, he had a a head cold, and he's like, "Oh, Dave, I'm suffering. I, you have no idea how bad this is." Like, I had shingles. Oh yeah, I mean this is this is a really bad head cold. You don't know this is terrible. I'm like, I've had really bad head colds. Yeah, they suck because you're congested and all you want to do is just explode your head. But I had shingles. No, no, Dave, bro. It's like I sneeze like eight times in like an hour. Do you know how much that hurts your face? <laughs> I was like, dude, I get that you're that you're sick, but if you are honestly, and I'm not trying to be a martyr, and I'm not trying to get sympathy, and I wasn't trying to like, I wasn't always bringing up being like, oh hey, I had shingles, oh hey, I had shingles, but it's like, if you're gonna complain to me about having a head cold, I'm gonna fire back with, oh, I had shingles. But bro, my my Kleenex costs. <laughs> it was like, it was like twelve dollars. <laughs> I could have bought beer oh, with man. that. And that was Lent, too. So I was on some sort of antibiotic, like, anti-shingle medication. And I had given up soda for Lent. And so I couldn't drink beer and I couldn't drink soda. So literally the only thing I could drink, we'd go out to the pub. And the only thing I could drink was iced tea and water. Yeah, I remember oh. that. I also remember that was when I found the Konig Ludwig's Weiss beer in uh, bottles. Oh. My favorite. Yeah. Wheat beer. Remember when I brought it in the backpack for the nickel and dime crew? As yeah. Like a thank you. And you're like, yeah, uh, I'm on, I'm on antibiotics. <laughs> I'm gonna go draft for yeah. a while. Oh man, it was it was an awful awful time. And but I mean a lot of that a lot of I mean shingles came because I was stressed out and underslept because I wanted to do everything. And so while third year is definitely an opportunity to do everything, it may not be the only opportunity to do everything. So maybe scale it back a little bit. Well, and I think that that's an excellent point and an excellent hint and an excellent piece of advice is you can't do everything. Mm -hmm. And you're going to try. And you're going to try in your first year and you're going to try in your third year. Because your second year, you're going to be like, man, I was stupid last year. I'm going to take it easy. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of your your focus shows up and you start getting all of the things that you've been looking forward to your whole university career. Yeah. You're getting that finally. And you're like, oh, man, I'm doubling down on that. And then fourth year is just, okay, <laughs> this is what I've got to do. This is what I'm doing. I've got it. I'm good. For sure. And in my fourth year, I still took on a lot and I still worked for the drama department and I still was in a show, but A, I didn't hate the show I was in. And also I, I, I wasn't taking six classes, but I just, I was able to regulate it a little bit more. And I had lived through it once. I was like, okay, so I know what mistakes I made. I won't make those same mistakes again. 
Exactly. And it worked out. I was also I, I also had a girlfriend who took care of me, so that helped. True. Yeah. I think if I know it's more money, but I think if it's possible allowing yourself to take more time than four set mm-hmm. years is a good idea. Four years is especially the... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, especially if you are in something that requires a lot of either off-site or extracurricular work. Mm-hmm. Because if I had tried to do the drama department and the history department in four years, I couldn't have. Like, there, there was just, there was no way that I could be pulling rehearsals until nine, ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And then going home and reading 300 pages of German history. Like, I, I couldn't. There, there's just, there's no way you can do that. Right. So if you're forcing yourself to try and get a, like, if you're putting your full calendar together every year, but you're also needing to do eight hours worth of reading a week for only two of your classes, and mm-hmm. then another one's got a six-hour lab thing you're going to have to do twice a month, and another one's got, like, you can't. You need to make sure that you are enjoying it or you are going to burn out. Yep. And if you burn out, then what do you have? Yep. Because this was the thing that you've always wanted to start working towards. If you burn out of it, then what? No, that's So if you can take the extra time. Yeah, that's a very good point. I did mine in it. four and a half years. I would have been able to do it in four, but because of the shingles, I ended up having to drop a class or two. And as a result, I didn't have the necessary credits. One of the reasons why I was taking six classes in my in my third year, in my second semester of my third year, was because I was trying to catch up on courses to make sure that I got done in four years. But I right. just, because of my shingles, because of my illness, I, I ended up having to, to drop a couple of classes. Now, that is something that I will say is before you withdraw from classes because of sickness, talk to the people there. Like, I, I yep. ended up missing an exam in my history class because of my shingles. Now, granted, it was, like, I also had appendicitis in my fourth year, or my, I guess, technically my fifth year, and missed handing yep. in an essay. But I was able to, like, I was able to, to hand it in late because, you know, I had appendicitis. But with shingles, it doesn't sound like something that you, like, technically I could still go to class, but I was just so exhausted and I just, I couldn't focus that it was just really hard to actually do anything. And so I ended up just not being able to write my exam. I just couldn't, I didn't have the energy and I just couldn't make it to the class and I would have failed it anyway because I didn't, I didn't have the the ability to study for it. Right. So I ended up dropping that class and I think, and I don't know for sure, but before you withdraw from a class due to illness, go and talk to the registrar, go and talk to your professor, go and talk to the necessarily people to see if you can make up for it just to make sure that there is that there is in fact no way that you can do it if there isn't fine withdraw a w looks better on your transcript than an f but yep. you don't want you don't want to withdraw and and basically forego that i don't know it was $500 when we were in school it's probably up to 650 700 bucks per per class now i wouldn't be surprised you yeah. don't want to forego that money if you can avoid it and so that is that is something that i would suggest is is look into all the possible channels before withdrawing a class because of because of illness. If you're if you've had three Fs in a row on on assignments and there's no GD way that you can actually pass, withdraw and then that way, like I said, withdrawal looks better than an F. But yep. if you are doing okay in that class and have a way to pass it, then I would I would 
find out whether or not you can, in fact, uh, withdraw or you know make up that exam. I mean, it may end up you may end up needing a, a retroactive doctor's note or something like that. I don't know what the actual reasoning behind it is, but or what the 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 process is. But it's it's certainly worth investigating, right. and that's something I wish I would have known for sure. Take advantage of office hours. Yeah. Go talk to your professors. If you're having trouble with something, go talk to them. They have office hours for a mm-hmm. reason. Use them. Mm-hmm. Gave this speech because I was a student representative for, oh, Lord, three years for our department. Right. And I stressed that whenever students would come and talk to me mm-hmm. about them having problems. I would say, go talk to your professors. And what's awesome is in a smaller department or in a department in the arts is eventually you get on a first-name basis. Yeah. And you get you can just sit down and talk yeah. and just or hang out and talk about nothing or go for beer yeah. or whatever like that that can happen. But if you like even if you're not into it that much or you're not in an apartment where that's a thing, mm-hmm. go to office hours, yeah. especially before an assignment if you are having trouble with it if you go afterwards that's on you but if you go before like a week before an essay is due and you say i'm having a lot of trouble finding sources Mm -hmm. for what i'm trying to do here's what i'm trying to do the professor will help you because they want you to do well Uh, that is that last statement is perfect and i i'm when i was teaching at red deer last year i gave them this speech and it's the like instructors professors, faculty members, sessionals, they're not out to see you fail. That doesn't look good on them. They don't want you to fail. They want you to succeed. But it's on yes. you to have that success. Um, if you yeah, like, if you show um, that you are actually engaged and that you actually are trying to work on this assignment and you, know, you go two weeks in advance, a week in advance, say, these are the things I'm trying to do. Like you said, the professor will help you. If you email a professor at 10 o'clock the night before an, an assignment is due and say, I need an extension, some might be checking their email and give you that, that option, but a lot will not. And that's too late. That's too late yeah, for you to to be asking for an assignment extension. Now, granted, I mean, when I had my, my appendicitis, uh, I was in queue to queue for a show, and uh, my stomach had been killing me for three days, and it was Wednesday, and we had just done queue to queue, and I was going to go home because I had a paper due the next day, and I hadn't started it. And Quick explanation of Q to Q for listeners who aren't theater jobs. Right. Like okay. So, very very basic summary of a Q to Q is basically all the lights and sound and projection slides and everything like that that come with the show. A Q to Q is going from each one of those as a stage manager is calling go on the light lighting cue or the sound cue or the projection cue or all of them together or whatever or set changes anything that involves any technical side of theater that doesn't changing the technical state. Anything that changes the technical mm-hmm. state of a stage in front of you, yeah. it requires a cue, and cue to cue is to run through changes in technical state. Yeah. So you know the actors are there, but they're giving the cue lines, and then the then the the whatever it is that's changing happens, and then if it worked well, then you move on. If you need to change the timing or you need to change where the the cue is called, then you go back. It's it's very effective for bigger shows that have a lot of yeah. really challenging sequences. Um, yes. So anyway, we were in queue to queue and we finished late and my stomach had been killing me, but I knew I had this paper. So I was going to go home and write it. And my friend, Lindsay, God bless her, told me that I need to go to the hospital. And 
so I, I finally went to the hospital and sure enough, I had appendicitis. And so uh, my then girlfriend emailed my, my professor and said that I had gone into the hospital with appendicitis and was by the, basically by the time he got the email, I was undergoing surgery. So I got an extension on my paper because I physically could not be there to hand it in. So I think a yes. week after I... I went in on the Thursday and I think a week after I was back at school and I had finished my paper and handed it in. And, you know, in that situation, my prof, like I said, hi, I was the one who had my, the appendicitis. So here's my paper. And he wrote like late, okay, or whatever it was just to say that it was fine that I was handing it in late. Sometimes things are beyond your control. But if you just delayed and delayed and if I didn't have the appendicitis and I just went home, I would have had to have written that essay that night because... I had no other choice. I had to have it done by that following day because that's the way it works. And be, when you're working on shows and when you're in theater, it's often the, the show will take priority. And in all honesty, had I thought about it before, I probably could have emailed that professor and said, Dr. Connor, here's the situation. I'm in tech. I'm designing a show. It's part of my credit or whatever. I need to I, – I have – a lot of evenings that I am busy. I don't have the time to write this essay. He was the sort of prof that probably would have said, you know what? I will give you an extension, but I didn't do that with enough time. And so had I not been sick, I would have had to have gone home and written it until two or three in the morning because I screwed myself over. Use the, 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 the options given to you by your professor, office hours, ask them ahead of time, do your work ahead of time. Don't procrastinate. Yeah, that was actually... With you talking about this, that was literally what my next point was, was never leave an assignment to the night before. Yeah. You're going to be tempted to do it. You're probably going to do it in your first yeah. year, too. I know I did. Yeah. It is a terrible choice. The second I switched into, and there were some classes that I did and some classes that I didn't. Yeah. Like the, the classes I didn't care about, it, that was the ones, those were always the ones where it, it was procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. Holy crap, I have to write something overnight. Mm-hmm. Whereas eventually you will figure out that hey if you write this well before the deadline or you start working on it and you just work on it piecemeal and get it all together Mm -hmm. your grades are probably going to be better than if you wrote it the night before while high on red bull absolutely yeah just to think about that (laughs) well and that's that's really interesting because even even when i was in grad school there were nights where i would pull all-nighters and or almost all-nighters working on projects just because you would delay things. And, like, it was never papers. My papers I would always start writing ahead of time, but it was costume projects yeah. and stuff that I just didn't have the the gumption to want to do quite as early. And I remember once I was working on a, on a project, and I think I was up till about 4 in the morning working on it, and all I had to do was a costume plot or something. Like, just basically, again, for those of you who aren't in theater, a uh, costume plot is basically describing or like a, a, a spreadsheet of every character and what costume they're wearing in what scene very very yep. simple but i just it was taking me forever to do it because my brain was so so tired and so yep. i took i went to bed i took about two hours and took a two-hour nap got up and my brain felt more awake because it had some some time to rest and that is something that i will say is if you procrastinate it's it's human nature to procrastinate if that's the way you work fine don't expect to get as good a grade but you can get things done and if you do don't pull an all-nighter trust me on this an all-nighter is you can do the same amount of work if you work until two or three and then sleep 
from three till six and get up and start working again at six as you can if you work from straight through until eight o'clock because at, at yeah. a certain point your brain gets so tired that it can't function the simplest task it can't do anymore naps are your friends oh god and that's just not even when you're pulling all-nighters that is a statement that's a university that's an end, end, end sentence statement right there is is naps are your friend yeah could be two in the afternoon two in the morning doesn't matter if you want to take a 15 minute nap oh man i say go for it yep i didn't matter how disgusting the couches were in our undergraduate society lounge did not matter how many times would we walk in and see people asleep because mm-hmm. they were up for a maybe oh lord remember there were a few directors that did 7 a.m rehearsals yeah because they were crazy like that. So we'd get up 6.30, 6 o'clock if you lived off campus mm-hmm. to get to a rehearsal for 7. Then you had class at 10.30 till noon. Then you had to stay on campus because you had a rehearsal at 3 mm-hmm. and then another one at 6. How many times did we find people sleeping? I know. Lord knows I did. I slept on the couches in the, in the undergrad society all the time because well, I needed to or else there was no way I could get through the day. Oh, yeah. Those couches came in so handy. And I mean, that was one of the best parts about being in grad school was having a couch in my grad in my grad school office. It was yeah. so important for me. And I didn't sleep a lot, but there'd be times where, again, you know, you get there in the morning, you have a morning class or you're TAing in the morning and then, then you're around all afternoon and don't get a chance to go home. And it's just like, or you drove to, to school and paid for parking. So you're not going to pay twice for parking because that's crazy. And yeah, so exactly. you you just take advantage of the of the couches. And I mean, that was one of the reasons why Nickel and Dime was awesome because we had our own office. And then the next year we had the student technician office. And so from my third year onward, we kind of had offices everywhere, which was so, so nice for, for us because there was always somewhere where we could take a nap that wasn't yep. necessarily in the, the student's lounge. Yep. Yeah. And they made a difference. They really did. Yeah, the naps the naps were huge. They just help you get on with your day. And I know this isn't like this to me it doesn't seem like it's it's anything new. Like it's not really news, but when I was in my first year of university, I always like to me naps were always something that made me groggy when I woke up and then I would I wouldn't be able to get to sleep that night, but that's cuz I was taking two or three hour long naps. Whereas if you take a 15-20 minute nap, it's perfect. And I discovered yeah. that science when I was in my first year. And I mean, I still take 15, 20 minute naps. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do. Yeah. And I wish somebody had told me that like naps, figure out mm-hmm. sleep, sleep, sleep is good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else? There's a, there's so much more that we could talk about when it yeah. comes to recommendations for this sort of thing like recommendations for building your first timetable don't take eight o'clock classes don't take friday afternoon classes yeah oh man especially if you live in trad yeah if you oh don't take friday morning classes if you're in trad that's true because thursday is usually student night yeah at the bar so, which yeah means so you're gonna be you're out gonna for student there. night on thursdays and then Fridays, you're not going to want to do much. So, you know, there's, I mean, we kind of got screwed because that was uh, drama 240. It was nine o'clock in the, in the morning. Granted, that yeah. was your second year. So you were already in Glacier, but yeah, in my first year it was den night, 
Thursday night and then get up for, for Barry's 240 class first thing in the morning on so theater history first thing in the morning on Friday and then we would have our um, tutorial right after that so you, you say that but uh, my because it was my second year and I was outside of trad didn't change the fact that I did a midnight improv show every Thursday night <laughs> Oh, okay. Remember? That was when Drunk on Mondays was. Thursdays. Late. So I would never get home until like 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning. And I pushed myself because I cared about Drama 240. I would, if I was able to be there, Barry knew I would be there. And if Mm -hmm. I was missing, there was a good reason because I would, I would make myself go. Yeah. Wouldn't always be pretty and sometimes I'd be late, but I'd make myself go. Yeah. Yeah. Have, if you're living on residence, buy good pajama pants. Yeah. You are going to wear the crap out of pajama pants mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. the entire year. That is true. It would yeah. be it was so weird in first year courses to not have at least half the people there, especially Friday mornings, in pajamas still. Yep, for sure. Because like, yeah, we're there. I've got a coat and pajama pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, get an appropriate meal plan. Again, this is if you're in your first, going into your first year of university. Get yep. the right meal plan. And I don't mean like... Make sure that you're not going to starve yourself. Now, yeah. everybody talks about the freshman 15, and it's absolutely a thing. Like, you know, a lot of people will gain 15 pounds in their first year of university. But, I mean, that's because they're maybe not doing as much active stuff and they're eating fattier foods. But... Slash drinking... Slash drinking. But you don't want to starve yourself. I mean, you are going to classes. You do need energy. Your brain needs to be healthy. You need to be healthy. So if you're not eating, you're not going to be healthy. So make sure that you eat. If you end up with extra money, you'll just get that. If you end up with extra money on your meal plan, you'll get that money back. It's fine. And that's totally fine. Yeah. You just don't want to... I had I started with the D meal plan, which was the the meal plan for like big eaters, right? And it was it was perfect for me. I could have easily done that, but I ended up running low on money, um, just because you know school is expensive Happens. and we'd want to go for drinks, and I wouldn't have any money to do that because I had spent all my money on everything else, and so I ended yep. up changing to a C meal plan and ended up getting some money back. Now, C was okay, but I did find I had to be a little bit more conscious of what I was eating. And then as it right. turns out at the end by the end of the semester I had budgeted well enough that I was able to, you know, the last couple months I was really able to to eat well again, but and by the end of it I had like 25 bucks left on my card. Like just the perfect amount left. That so it was well. it worked out really well. But I mean if I had extra money and I didn't have to change meal plans, the D1 would have been fine because it would have just meant that I never had to scrimp or budget or worry about, okay, well, if I spend too much for lunch, then I won't be able to spend as much for dinner. And, you know, if there's like Easter or, or a big occasion, then there might be a turkey dinner or something like that. And it'll yeah. cost more. And like, you know, just make sure that you have enough. Make sure you don't starve. Eat when you're in university. And scout out where is on your meal plan because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't think about doing that and they should they think it's the cafeteria and they find a couple places maybe in the student union center or a couple places by their classes yeah but there's probably a, a healthy chunk of the food places on campus will take your card yep and those that don't fine but 
make sure that you find out where everything is because maybe you'll find some special stuff Mm -hmm. or you'll find deals or you'll find like, oh, on Thursdays I can get like a a hero for three bucks Yeah, because it's their special. You get a hero and a Slurpee. Like, take advantage of that stuff. Also, then mm-hmm. this blends exactly into the next thing I want to talk about. Take advantage of free shit. Yeah, totally. The, uni- the student union is going to do a butt-ton of stuff for you Yeah, that costs you nothing. And if you have the time, and we've been harping on you budgeting your time if you're going mm-hmm. to university, because you're going to have to do it for years. But if you have the time, go see. Maybe they do a not a super new release movie but they do a movie night in one of the big theaters yeah like a like cinemedia not, we... not a yeah it's not, a movie that theaters i don't mean like a, a cinema i mean like a lecture hall yeah, theater like one of the science theaters one of the larger theaters and when they when they started that when i was when we were in university i think it was my first or second year that they started that it might have been my first year um it was it was movies that were just about to come out on dvd like they were out of their theatrical release but they weren't quite out on dvd and so you yeah. can still see them kind of on a big screen like the seats weren't as comfortable as your your modern movie theaters but you got to go and see it on a big screen and you'd get to go with your friends and you'd get to have a good time and that's how i saw the ring and i loved it it was a great experience and they do like quarter bags of popcorn yeah and 50 cent cans of pop yeah and they're just like clean up after yourself and yeah. like that's that's one of the things you're going to get used to is that like you uh, as we said at the very beginning you are responsible for yourself mm-hmm. so it's all it's all going to come down to you but finding stuff like this yeah. like that's a good night yeah. go with a bunch of your people from trad go with a bunch of people from res or from your department go hang out watch a movie there's going to be clubs and bars and stuff on campus if you're looking for a pint and a sandwich go to one of those if you've got the money for it if you don't just go to the calf get a big table and just talk Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hang out do stuff play sports there's going to be a lot of sports available if that's your thing if it's not there's going to be people on your floor in residence especially who are there to play video games yeah i don't know if you had a room guy but we definitely had a room guy like a guy who just lived in his room yeah who never left yeah I don't think we uh, had, like, an actual room guy, but we were close. There was a couple guys who were close, for sure. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure Trevor did go occasionally to stuff, mm-hmm. but it was weird if he wasn't in his room playing video games. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, um, like, there's always stuff to do. Yeah. Barbecues and, and like, different clubs will have different different events, and you can track some of those down. Join clubs. Yeah. Join clubs. That's a great way to get out and socialize. I mean, chances are good that every department in the university is going to have various like clubs that you can join. Or something. What's that? Yeah, an it's undergraduate, like an undergraduate society. society. Yeah, exactly. But there's also there's going to be ski clubs and and chess clubs and and like rugby clubs. Like there's all sorts of different clubs that you can join if that's something that you're interested in. Source it out. I'm sure somebody's probably got that club. Oh, yeah. And if there oh, isn't, you can look into starting it. Exactly. If you think there'd be enough interest out there yeah. and you want to do something, yeah. yeah. do it. Um, the campus poster sale is always fun. Oh, yes. You don't, I need don't to think... buy a bunch of stuff to decorate your room before you go if you're living in residence. Yeah. Every university about... has a big poster sale. Once a semester, about three weeks into the semester they have poster sales and there's pictures and posters and movie posters and all kinds of awesome stuff i think 
I mean, my posters eventually just got decimated between moving and moving and moving and moving. But my posters lasted for years. And I think I finally threw... I mean, I hadn't put them up in my old house, but I finally threw the last of them away when I moved to this house just because I didn't... They were they were destroyed to a point where I wasn't just going to tack them up and they were going to look really crappy and I wasn't going to frame them. So it's just like, okay, I'm going to get rid of these. But man, I had posters for years because they were cool and they were a great way to decorate your walls and kind of helped to to display your identity and you know you it was a helped you tell people who you were. And you you already you already you didn't know what the shape of your room was going to be before you get there. Yeah. You don't know what your roommate's going to be like. Like, unless mm-hmm. you're able to take a tour, even then, you don't know what it's going to be. So yeah. bringing a bunch of stuff to decorate doesn't really make sense. Bring bedding. No. Yeah. Bring some, like, laptops and books and DVDs, mm-hmm. whatever. Fine. Make sure you know how much space you have to put that stuff. But still, yeah. fine. But when it comes to that, just buy on campus. You're gonna yeah. If you're paying for it anyway, just buy it there because then you know exactly. exactly. And they're going to have better posters than your shop do at home. Absolutely. Unless you're 100%. going, like, if you lived in a big t- city, like, both Dave and I, like, Dave comes from a much smaller place than I do, but mm-hmm. my town is still under 100,000 or maybe just crested 100,000 people right. since I've left a decade ago. Yeah. But there was no great poster shop. You had to go to the, like, a Blockbuster or yeah. HMV to buy posters, whereas the poster sale is going to have crazy stuff that you've never even realized were posters, and yeah. they're awesome. For sure. Sports posters and movie posters and band posters and it's just things that the yeah, like you said, things that you didn't Brandon even Einstein yeah. poster that everybody had. Like there's there are all of these when you see a movie about college and you see those posters, those posters actually exist and you buy them at this sale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. It's um oh, I thought about something else as we were talking about that, but I think it's gone. Oh, well, Okay. Arm yourself with a mitt full, like a, a a sock full of change for the washer and dryer. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yes. Whether you're living in residence or or in an apartment or something, there's a good chance that one of your first places that you're going to live is coin operated laundry. And if it is, arm yourself with change. I, whether you're living yes. in the states and it's quarters, or whether you're in Canada and it's loonies or toonies, arm yourself with change because you will go through it. And if you have extra, oh, then you can sell it to people for for bills, and then you have bills for for going out to the to the bar that night. But arm yeah. yourself with change. Yeah, bring change. Yeah, have sandals for the communal showers, <laughs> flip flops. You want them? Yeah, have yeah. them. If you're a neat freak, get ready to be disgusted. Yeah. Uh, you're going to yeah. have to let some of that go if you're living in residence because there's just no way. There's no, there's no room for, for germophobia in in residence. No, because you are basically living with 40 to 50 other people in a big communal area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's going to be four showers right beside each other so there's you know you're not showering in the same room as somebody like in the same stall you're not seeing the other person yet you're not showering in the same stall but you get out of the shower and there's three other people getting out of the shower at the same time and there's there's three or four toilet stalls right beside each other and three or four urinals right beside each other and it's just like that's welcome to communal living man yeah 
Yeah. And everything that's bad with it is countered by something great. Yeah. Because I don't want to make it sound like Res isn't awesome. Res Res is fantastic. We said it earlier. I wouldn't trade that year for anything, but I am glad it was only a year. Yep. No, exactly. And, like, it was was fun, and, I mean... If if you if you've ever played hockey or if you've ever gone camping or if you like, there are a lot of things where you can kind of draw parallels. Like if you go camping and you shower when you're camping, it's the same sort of situation. There's different shower stalls throughout, and that's just the way it is. So anything yeah. like that, you're not going to be really out of your element. But if you have come from a really prudish upbringing and haven't been used to any experiences like that, it's going to be an adjustment. But it's still worth doing. And some of the things that come out of it are amazing. Like, you lose a lot of inhibitions. I know, like, you know, when I was was in my, in in res, um, I I would often go to the co-ed wing because a lot of my good friends lived in the co-ed wing. And I was hanging out in one of the girls' rooms and she was changing. And, like, I mean, she was wearing a bra, but it was just like, whoop, shirt came off and put on a new one. I was just like, whoa, what's going on? And she's like, oh, I don't care. Like, we're in res. I mean, it's not like you saw anything. You saw my bra, Dave. Ugh. And, like... It's just it's a it's a different world because people just lose that inhibition and you know there's there's a certain bond that is made with people and you just after a while you just kind of you really do start to transition to being an adult and realize that these things that were so risque and taboo when you're growing up it's just like oh whatever yeah who cares because I was a co-ed wing and it okay it's, Dave's a hundred percent right it's just like it didn't at a certain point you just got used to the fact that, like this is kind of a family. Yeah. Like your floor becomes a family. Like you look out for them at bars and like yeah. you're you're hanging out together all the time and everything just it becomes about floor. Yeah. It's that floor pride and it yeah. just it it's just it changes. It changes so much. That said, and I don't know if there's anything else we want to talk about after this one, but since we talked about your floor and your floor being a family, if if you can avoid it at all costs, don't date somebody on your floor. I disagree completely. I had a great Do- time. Well, fair. And I know some <laughs> that worked out, but if you date somebody on your floor, make sure that it's worth it. And I'm just saying, if it goes to shit, which often it can. A lot of them do. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be real yeah. awkward. Yeah. Really awkward. But that said... Like, the one girl that I dated on my floor, she she and I ended up being really good friends, and she was one of my best friends, as it turns out, because, you know, you just kind of got past that. But it was awkward for a while, and we only dated for a few weeks, so it's like, okay, well, this was – it was a bad. sample size, right? But if you date somebody for three or four months, and you get really attached to them, and then something goes off, oh, then you are – ooh, you, you have to deal with them for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's true. If you go but, into it, you have to be, like, ready for that or yeah. have a setup where it's just like, okay, if this goes south, we have to be cool because if we're not totally. cool, we can't do this at all. Well, I think for me, I don't know when you started dating the person on your floor, but, like, the person on my floor, we started dating really early, and it, so I didn't really get a chance to get to know her. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're cool. It's just we're not really relationship-type material. Whereas if you don't start dating somebody till you know, a few months in, all of a sudden you realize that you're you're pretty compatible. That's a lot different. Like, just yeah. that, well, don't that be was, impetuous about it. Yeah, that was more my situation. It was like a December, January sure. thing. Sure, yeah. And then it lasted till, well, basically, I we moved out of res. Right. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's just, I think that was my problem, was I hadn't really had a serious girlfriend, and so it was cool, just the idea of dating somebody's like, yeah, this is great, and then, as it were, turned out, it was just like, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm not feeling it with you. So it wasn't anything too serious, but it was really early, just because the opportunity was there, and I didn't, like, I just kind of, like I said, I was impetuous, and so I think if you lose that impetuousness, then maybe, and then you actually suss out the situation, it's not bad, it's just... You are running a risk when it comes to, as we called it, floor cest. Just oh, yeah. because we did too. <laughs> you don't know what the what the result is going to be. Yep. So just just be be cautious about it. I think the last thing is enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy every minute of it. It's, yeah. It's I amazing. Agree. It's like it will be the most eye opening and life-changing experience you are going to have Mm -hmm. maybe ever like there are other things that maybe come up but obviously like marriage and birth of children then that's totally later yeah but this is gonna be like this is a major touchstone coming and it is worth every minute it is gonna catapult you from being a naive child basically like technically an 18 year old is an adult but you're still a kid you're still green for the most part i don't mean to to say this disparagingly and i don't mean to say that every 18 year old doesn't have life experience but as an 18 year old there is still a lot to learn and four years of university is going to catapult you into adulthood because it forces you to it forces you to become an adult more or less yeah yeah so it's 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 a wild ride. It is going to go by so fast. Oh, it does. All of a sudden, four years are going to be done, and you aren't going to know where they are. Yep. But you're going to have but, great stories. Yeah. As long as you commit to the idea of doing what you can handle, mm-hmm. taking advantage yeah. of stuff, and enjoying it, you're going to have stories yep. that will last the rest of your life, and it's worth it. I mean, it's been 15 years, and I still have stories, right? So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome. I remember... One of my favorite things in the world was growing up and listening to my parents tell their stories about university. And I was like, I can't wait until that's me. And then it was me. And now I have those stories and I can't wait to tell my future kids. Yeah. It's it's a cool experience, man. So I, uh, yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy every minute of it. And then maybe someday you'll meet somebody and you'll be like, you know what? We're going to make a podcast. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Yeah, totally. And lives are changed. Uh, seems like as good a spot to end as I can think. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, I guess that is it. You, Mr. and Miss Internet, are the lifeblood of our podcast, and we just want to answer your questions or have a good old chat. Do you want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at David Ron. That's Ron with two N's. Sean is at Sean Cord. That's Sean with a U. And we are at Guys From Podcast. You can email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com, Facebook us at the guys from, or, I don't know, take notes in one of your classes and... As the professor teaches you something really cool, write that down and maybe you can turn that into a question and then ask us that way. I don't know. I got nothing. This was a really weird topic today, so I couldn't come up with anything cool. Just ask us a question, damn it. 
or write a question on the chalkboard in your favorite classroom, take a picture of it and send it to Dave on Twitter at David Ron. Perfect. There you go. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I meant. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. If you enjoy the guys from podcast, tell anyone you can any way you can. And the best thing you can do to help us get the word out there and help expand the minds of future university students is to leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or share it with your friends. Just send them a link. That works, too. We're available pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Hey, Dave, is there anything you wanted to plug? If you've gone to university already, do you want to relive those college dorm years? Or if you haven't gone to university and you want to know what potentially dorm years are like, you should watch uh, the one and only season of Judd Apatow's Undeclared. It's not as good as Freaks and Geeks, but definitely made me more excited to go to university because it came out literally the year before I went to school. So it might be on Netflix. It used to be. Um, It gives a decent indication of what residence is like. I mean, it's pretty universal because that was an American residence and it was very similar to kind of the experiences I had. So um, if you're interested as to what university res is like, maybe go give that a check out. John? On our website, www.theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting this collegiate podcast, we also write about articles on things like music, that's indie music every day, throwback tracks every Thursday, gaming, occasionally other stuff, but that seems to be where most of our focus is at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And where can we find that, Sean? www.theguysfrom.com. Aw, yeah. Head to iHorror.com for all of your horror news, interview, and review needs. And if Dave's going to talk about Undeclared, I'm going to talk about Undergrads, a great cartoon, which is uh, also... But if you watch both Undeclared and Undergrads, you get a really fair sense of what it is like in your first year of university in residence. It's It's surprisingly accurate. And you won't think, like, I had seen Undergrads before I went to university... And then, because it came out like 2001 or something like that, right? And yeah. I was like, man, that's crazy. Wonder what it'll be actually like. And it was so close to undergrads, it was weird. Yeah. It's it's really strange. Between that and, und- and undeclared, you guys, you'll be fine. Yeah. Special thanks to the Sweets for our wonderful opening music. Check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com. And also special thanks to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for our takeout music called Fearless First, as well as today's ad music called Rainbows. This has been episode 183 of the Guys From Podcast, the Alumni Podcast. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Dave. Have a great school year, everybody. The Guys From Podcast is brought to you in part by nothing. Nothing like finding some of those sweet tables in the student union that sell things for super cheap. Want an original Nintendo? There's probably one there. I got a great coat from Nepal for practically nothing. I still wear it. It's amazing.
thought for an ending because mm-hmm. we we danced around the idea of the partying in res a yeah. little bit. I think if anybody wants us to actually talk about parties and stuff, we can ask. Yeah. We now have an explicit rating, so I feel a little bit more okay about that. We can get a little bit more in-depth and graphic than we used to could. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I think we should do for an Endlor, Dave, is I think we should talk about either the strangest or the worst thing we drank in trad. <laughs> okay. Traditional res. Okay. I don't think I really drank anything too bad as far as like weird concoctions or anything like that. Okay. But I will tell you a story of my first, my first night in residence. So okay. it was it was the Monday of the Labor Day weekend. We had I, my folks had dropped me off. Like literally, it was they had stuff. We'd been at the cabin, and so they they had to go back and clean out because uh, they have a, a trailer that they sleep in at the cabin, and so they had to go and clean the trailer and winterize it and everything like that. And so literally, it was like we got to to the the curve in residence. They basically dropped my stuff on the on the sidewalk and said, okay, bye. And they left. And so okay. I moved my stuff up were to... You, were you Rundle or K? K. Okay. Yeah. You were too, I, right? I was Rundle. Were you? Okay. No, I was Rundle. Okay. I was Rundle ground. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Ground floor. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so anyway, I was, I was... Found my room and met my roommate and, and uh, you know, we, we did all the, the first day in residence things like meeting your floor mates and everything like that. And so when everything kind of came to a halt, we, we pre-drank in our, in our dorms and then we went out to the den, which was the, for those of you who aren't UFC grads, that's the, the bar on campus. Yeah. And so I was there with a bunch of people from my first, from my floor, but then I ended up running into a bunch of friends of my sisters, like including her boyfriend. And so I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Now I'm way less out of my element because I'm not meeting, like I'm not, it's not brand new people. I'm, I'm hanging out with guys that I know. So this is, this is going to be great. And so I had already been drinking and then my sister's boyfriend bought me a pitcher of beer. Literally, I walked around the, the, uh, the bar drinking from a pitcher, so I drank the entire pitcher on my own. Oh yeah, that which, was that's common. At these. Which is very common. I mean, oh, yeah. a, a pitcher of like Canadian or whatever it was cost eight nine bucks at the time, so it was less than ten bucks for a pitcher of beer. It's perfect. And so yep. I was walking around drinking this, and between the drinks in dorm in the dorm and and the pitcher and whatever else I had that night, I got smashed. And so I got home, got back to my room. And I had the spins, and so I put one foot down to try and stop the spins. I don't know if anybody else has done that, but when you're got a, when your when your room is spinning, if you put one foot on the floor, it you, it sometimes stops the spins. Yep. And so I put one foot down, didn't stop the spins. I put both feet down, didn't stop the spins. So I was like kneeling on the floor, laying on my bed, hoping that that would stop the spins. It didn't. All of a sudden, I go charging down to the bathroom. So this is, again, this is a communal bathroom. My first night of residence, communal bathroom, and I'm in the bathroom puking. I was like, that's that's a really good start to my res career. My my res inhabitancy is puking and being the first one and so i remember puking and so my my sr comes in he's like oh yeah that's awesome and every, like there's a few different people who were giving me shit and really really laughing and there was a lot of mirth at my experience and so i mean it wasn't anything crazy but it was just like the first night of course the first night is the first one where i just get wasted and just hurl everywhere it was a little embarrassing but i mean i obviously got through it but my god it was yeah. it was tough were you the only one who puked that night? 
Probably not, but I was definitely the first one. Or at least I was the first one that everybody heard. Ah, so you christened the floor. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the... When you asked about this, this is the first thing that came to my mind. I'm sure at some point we did shots and stuff, but it wasn't anything... We never did anything too, too bad. But I feel like maybe you have a story. Oh, Dave. Let me take you... Let me set the scene. All right. Uh, We've been living together... It's probably two, three months. That's near the end of November. Okay. Uh, it is a weekend. We have done this the the traditional res tradition of grabbing what you have and meeting in someone's room to have a house party. Okay. So uh, one thing leads to another, and we're going through all of the drinks we have, and we decided, and by we, I'm pretty sure I mean me, decided to make something that I decided to call the Vesuvius. Dave, have you ever thought about trying something that would be the combination of ginger ale and Baileys? No. Funny thing happens when you combine ginger ale and Baileys. It bubbles. It rises, and it looks like one of those uh, like elementary school volcanoes. Okay. So you pour it in a mug, and then you drink it, and then as soon as it's done rising, you have to start drinking it because it starts going down. If you let it go all of the way down, it hardens into something that is very similar to rock. I don't know why, but it does. And then it basically what happens is it separates the cream out. Oh god. But if you drink it before the foam goes all the way down, it's surprisingly okay. It's okay. it's ginger and chocolate, right? Yeah. So it's not awful. Yeah. So this became the uh, just a horrible idea, but it also became the floor drink okay. for about a week and a half because <laughs> it was so strange. But at the same time, it's like, oh, okay. And it became something of a drinking game where it's just like you watch it f- like foam up in this cup. And then as soon as it peaks and starts going down, you got to grab it and drink. <laughs> Interesting. So if you ever wonder, dear listeners and or Dave, how... When Dave and I live together, they're the house rule of if you put something together and you try it, the other person has to, and they suggest it, you have to try it as well. Where that came to be, it's uh, it's from Bailey's and Ginger Ale. Fantastic. I mean, it was a great rule for a couple of years, and I will never forget the look on Derek's face after I finished finally eating my two-bite brownie and KFC coleslaw because I knew that he had to do it. He looked so panicked, and it was that rule was worth it for that moment alone. Um, but I'm glad you told me this because it sounds awful, but also sounds kind of intriguing. 